All right, before I start the show, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MetPro. Last spring, you might remember that I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, about how his company has helped thousands of people understand their bodies better through metabolism tracking. Well, MetPro just launched a brand new tool that lets you see the same science and tailored strategy that their experts use. So you can start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to best. Now, my listeners get up to one month for free when you sign up, so head to metpro.co slash getfitguy to learn more. Welcome to the Get Fit Guys, quick and dirty tips to get moving and shape up. My name is Brock Armstrong and I am the Get Fit Guy. How important is staying hydrated during exercise? I mean, really. If you are lugging around a fanny pack water bladder or a bunch of different sports beverages, well, you know what? You may be doing it wrong. When I first started running, semi-seriously, I diligently carried a water bottle on my belt, as instructed by all the running magazines and the running websites. Then, as my um, thirst for the sport grew, I graduated to, well, an embarrassingly fanny pack-style beverage bladder. But by the time I achieved the level of having a shoe sponsorship and coaches, I wasn't carrying anything with me at all. A few sips at some random water fountains or the on-course aid stations, well, they worked just fine. And there's a reason that I tell that story. For many years, the rule of thumb for exercise hydration has been that if you sweat out more than 2% of your body mass, your performance will decline. And that's based on military research that was meant to prepare U.S. soldiers for hot climate combat during the Second World War. Now, in practical terms, that rule means that a man who weighs 80 kilograms, or 176 pounds, can only sweat out about 1.75 liters, or about 60 fluid ounces, of sweat before he will start to fall apart, performance-wise anyway. Now, the problem is that depending on how hard you exercise, and also how hot it is where you're exercising, well, you could potentially drip that much onto the gym floor in about an hour. And even sipping from an electrolyte-laced water bottle may not stave off that 2% loss. Now, studies have shown that in the more jiggly types of activities, like running, athletes only manage to replace about half of their fluid. If they attempt more than that, well, they run the risk of getting a severe side stitch and having to assume that doubled-over hand-on-the-hip stance that many of us know so well. Yeah, you know it. A French researcher took 643 runners and weighed them before and after a marathon. Now, the researcher found that only the slowest folks in the race managed to actually keep their fluid losses below that 2%. And when that happened, well, many eyebrows raised in an I-told-you-so fashion. Then another study found that the star Ethiopian runner, Halle Geberlassie, often lost about 10% of his body weight during his record-setting marathons. So that rule of thumb about sweating more than 2% of your body mass was officially retired. Well, 
in the sports science field anyway. The sports beverage industry, on the other hand, kept right on beating that drum. Now, in his 2012 article for the Globe and Mail, Alex Hutchinson quoted Dr. Trent Stellingworth, a physiologist at the Canadian Sport Institute in Victoria, saying, and I quote, Anyone who has worked in the field with athletes has probably realized years ago that a strict 2% dehydration cutoff just doesn't work. Stellingworth went on to say that he usually aims for a 3-6% to dehydration, depending on the conditions, how hot or cold it is, and the individual tolerance. And it is quite clear that some people handle hot weather better than others, and some people, like me, sweat more than others. So, how did that 2% rule get it so wrong in the first place? Well, the problem with the studies that led to that rule is that the researchers had deliberately put the subjects into a state of dehydration, using things like saunas and diuretics, then asking them to go and exercise. Now, I'm sure that you can imagine there is a big difference between being forcibly dehydrated through extreme means and simply being thirsty after a hard workout. I mean, I wouldn't perform very well either if I was abused like that and then asked to run a fast kilometer. So, yeah. Despite the best efforts of the sports drink industry, a few years ago, a new measurement hit the exercise community, and that was to simply drink to thirst. And that was led in no small part by professor and author Tim Noakes, who stated way back in his 2010 paper that, and I quote, Drinking ad libitum appears to optimize performance and safety during exercise in many situations. The presence of thirst, not of water loss, may be the biological signal that impairs exercise performance in those who drink less than their thirst dictates during exercise. Now, in what I would call a definitive 2018 study, Researchers had athletes complete a 20k trail run and allowed them to either drink a specifically measured amount of liquid that would replace their expected sweat loss or just drink when they felt thirsty. At the end of the race, the finishing times of these two drinking strategies were identical, despite the fact that the drink-to-thirst runners lost 2.6% of their body weight on average. So the lesson I take from all of this is to simply not freak out about staying hydrated. Sure, if you're in extreme conditions, hot, humid, and high intensity, staying on top of your hydration is prudent. Just make sure you stay aware of your internal cues and, well, you'll be fine. As in everyday life, it is not an emergency to be temporarily dehydrated. No fanny pack-styled hydration belts are necessary. If our human meat sacks were indeed that sensitive, and we were that weak of a species, we would never have survived long enough to leave Africa 315,000 years ago. Before I go on, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MetPro. Last spring, I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, all about metabolism. And his company, MetPro, continues to help thousands of people transform their bodies by hacking their metabolism through concierge coaching. 
Now, I spent a couple of months actually using MetPro a while ago, and it was a really cool experience, I have to say. MetPro is doing some really interesting and innovative work to help you better understand your body so you can get the results you want. And MetPro actually just launched a brand new tool that lets you see the same science and the tailored strategy that their experts are using. And you know what? It's not a food logging tool or a workout app for that matter. The MetPro app actually allows you to start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to using science. And my listeners get up to one month for free when you sign up if you head to metpro.co slash getfitguy to take advantage of this opportunity. That's metpro.co slash getfitguy for up to one month for free. Now, okay, having said that, let me offer one caveat. Just because it's not an emergency to get a little dehydrated doesn't mean we should completely shun all of modern science that has gone into our understanding of fueling during a hard race or a hard workout. So let's look at what to use and when. The term tonicity is used a lot concerning sports drinks. Now, tonicity is a measurement that is used to compare the thickness of one liquid to another. The tonicity of a sports drink can affect how your body absorbs it. In the sports hydration world, we are comparing the tonicity of a beverage to that of human blood, which has an osmolarity of approximately 285 to 295 milliosmols per kilogram. Now, the point of this measurement is to determine if a drink is either hypertonic, which has a higher concentration, isotonic, which has the same concentration, or hypotonic, which has a lower concentration than blood. Now, the difference between these three measurements tells us how quickly your body will absorb the beverage into your bloodstream. This is a determining factor in not only knowing how well a beverage will hydrate you, but also in how well it will replenish your energy stores. So let's look at each one of these concentrations. First, hypertonic. Hypertonic drinks contain a lot of carbohydrates, making them a higher concentration than blood. This means they're good for recovery and replenishing lost calories. Most recovery drinks fall into this category and often have protein added into the mix as well. Hypertonic beverages are a good choice for energy recovery, but aren't as great when dehydration is a focus. When you consume a hypertonic beverage, the fluid found in your intestine also becomes hypertonic. That means your body needs to move more water out of the bloodstream and back into the intestine to allow for absorption of the nutrients through the gut wall. So it's best to stick to hypertonic drinks for quick calorie delivery, not rehydration. And next up is isotonic. Now, most of the sports drinks that you find in the convenience stores are isotonic or similar to our blood. These are typically considered helpful during short duration and high intensity workouts or events. Isotonic beverages can contain 6 to 8% carbohydrate, which means they can deliver energy into your body quite rapidly. But isotonic beverages can, well, upset your stomach, especially when they're taken in large amounts in a short amount of time. This is especially true in hot conditions, when your blood supply is focused on keeping your skin cool and your muscles moving, and it's not concentrated on your gut. And finally, hypotonic. Hypotonic drinks 
tend to be absorbed into the bloodstream quickly because they have a lower concentration than blood. This is due in part to them usually containing a 6% or lower solution of carbohydrate. That makes them ideal for longer endurance and overall hydration. Hypotonic beverages are often referred to as having a favorable osmotic gradient. The water in the beverage can flow easily through the gut wall and into the blood vessels. Now, if you think back to your grade school biology class, you may remember that osmosis is moving from an area of lower concentration, in this case our gut, to an area of higher concentration, or our blood. See, taking that biology class does come in handy in grown-up life. So now you're probably wondering, okay Brock, which one is best? Well, as you know now, staying perfectly hydrated during your workout isn't an emergency. And if you have read previous articles, you know that chomping down on protein-rich food or popping amino acids during a workout or immediately after is also not a huge priority. Also, unless you're planning to crush a second workout later in the same day, refilling your carbohydrate stores can also wait until your next regular meal. For the most part, Having some water when you feel thirsty and eating a healthy, regularly scheduled meal is all you need to do. Just remember that that rule goes out the window during very long events, in hot conditions, or when you've skipped a meal or you're doing your workout in a fasted state. So okay, here's my advice. If you're just out for a regular training session or a short race, especially in temperate conditions, you probably don't need to pound a bunch of sugar, coloring, and additives to maximize your performance. Simply sipping from your water bottle is fine. But if you are planning to go hard for several hours, especially in hotter conditions, and you really want to perform at your absolute best, then choosing the appropriate beverage could be in your best hydration interest. Thanks for listening, everybody, and don't forget to tune in next week when I have a special guest coming on to talk about whether all yoga is created equally or if we can use yoga for really specific results. You don't want to miss that one. It's going to be good. Now, Get Fit Guy is written, narrated, and produced by me, Brock Armstrong, with tons of support from the team over at Quick and Dirty Tips, including Karen Hertzberg, Morgan Ratner, Michelle Margulis, Emily Miller, and Kathy Doyle. Now, what are you waiting for? Get out there and maybe leave the water bottle at home. <laughs>